DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Greg Biggins joins us now, national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. He's on the Smart Rain guest line, and it's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Greg, good morning. Good morning. We have many questions. Hey, you, you caught me in, caught me in mid bite of my apple breakfast right now. How are you guys? <laughs> you guys doing good? Yeah, we're doing all right. I think the question is: Are the Utes not doing all right? But are they doing better than they were? Before we get into the specifics, big picture, especially at the quarterback slot, do you feel like Utah's breaking through to a new level in recruiting? I do like their their quarterback room a lot. Obviously, I've uh, seen Nate Johnson the last couple of days. I'm actually driving there right now to see a. Uh, day three of the Elite 11, and I, I, I like him. I think he's got some unique qualities. Is he a little bit on the raw side? Yes. Will he probably need a red shirt and maybe another year? Um, I do think so, but I mean, he's got some gifts, for sure. I mean, he's uh, he's an undersized kid at about 5'11", 6 feet, but he's got a really live arm, and obviously he's an elite athlete, legit 10 4 100 meters, which is fast if you're a wide receiver, more less a quarterback, right? So, I think... Uh, Give him some time. I think he's got a chance to be really good. He's looked good the first two days of this uh, Elite 11 final so far this week. Yeah, you've got uh, Kyle Whittingham really loves the mobile quarterbacks in large part because he believes those are the most difficult to defend. And you've already said this kid's got elite athletic ability, but at the same time, the thing that's held them back is the ability to get the ball down the field. Uh, Based on what you know of these two kids, Rose and uh, Johnson here, do they have that ability? You know, they're, they're really, they're different quarterbacks. It's, it's interesting. You wouldn't think the same school would recruit those two guys because of how radically different. You know, Brandon's the more pure pocket guy, and he's got some mobility as well. He's not a statue by any stretch. I wouldn't recruit a statue. So Brandon's got some functional athleticism. He, he can take off and run. He's, uh, he's comfortable. He, I think he does a good job making that first guy miss. He can extend play. But he's your pocket guy. I mean, he is third and eight. You, you, wanna, you need a big first down completion. I think Brandon can do that for you. Uh, Nate, and I'm not saying he can't make that third down and eight throw, he, he might actually have a little bit more live arm than Brandon right now, but I think what he excels in is if you want to do some design rollouts, maybe some zone read. I mean, he's going to be the fastest guy in the field in a lot of games, so he can take off. But I think what we're seeing, not just this week, but when I saw him a few weeks ago at the Elite 11 Regional where he got the invite to come to the final I've seen huge strides. I know his quarterback coach, Greg Pinelli, really well. And I'd say in the last year, uh, you're seeing better feet, uh, just more on balance. The ball placement is really good. The release is tighter. I mean, he's made some huge strides in just about a six-month period. So I just imagine how he's going to look in about a year and a half to two years. Uh, I like his upside a lot. And like you said with Brandon, I think Brandon is a pure thrower. Um, with some, Like I said, with some functional athleticism as well. So between those two guys, uh, I'd be surprised if, if not at least one, maybe both, but at least one of them was going to be a hit. So Elite 11, it's definitely a label that every quarterback wants, but PK went and added up a few years ago for a story he did, and about 50% of the Elite 11 kids end up transferring, so a.k.a. they failed at their initial school. Are they getting any better at identifying the elite quarterbacks, or it's still different when you're getting chased by big guys in 11-11 games, so no 7-on-7 and no camp can really tell us how good you are? Yeah, I mean, I would would not be so quick to say a transfer is a fail. I mean, you look at Kyle Murray's first overall pick, right? Joe Burrow transferred, first overall pick. Um, 
Baker Mayfield transferred first overall pick. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you right. a that level, but at the level the Utes are dealing at. Say again. I'll give you at that level, right? It's a kid going from Ohio State to LSU or you know Georgia to Ohio State or something. Yes, at that level, I think you're right. But at the level the Utes have been at, I don't think that's been true. Sure. I mean, if you're if you're breaking it down to the you know to the youth specifically, my my point was, you know, this day and age, and I'm seeing it in some of the California high schools quite a bit. It's it's. Uh, I wish I had a nicer way of saying it, but it's just we live in that you know world where if you're a sophomore high school quarterback and you're not starting, you're out of there already. And <laughs> I'm not. It just it's it's unfortunate. I think there's not a whole lot of guys that just want to grind and, and wait their turn. So that that's just the market. So when it comes to transfer quarterbacks. If you bring in two in the same class, I would—I don't know what the percentage is. If you did the math on this, I would love to know about it, but I bet it's extremely high. If you bring in two guys in one class, I would bet it's almost 75 80% one of those guys is going to leave. And if you bring in two guys and, and one of them beats out a current guy that's an underclassman on that, on that roster, I bet he's out of there too. So it's... I think you got to be not just strategic in recruiting a kid who's got talent, but I think character and makeup and, and wanting a guy who's going to be content. And you want a competitor, obviously, right? But you have to want a guy who is going to be content with maybe waiting a year or two and who's kind of got a little a little grit, a little toughness to him to where the point where he's not going to leave at the first sign of somebody else maybe, you know, I'm not going to name a name. You guys probably all know when the leader of a quarterback a few years ago, right, who had a, a ton of hype coming in, and he was out of there before fall camp rolled around. So I think you got to be really careful when you recruit a quarterback, not just for talent, but you got to look at the whole body of work and the whole package there. It was a recent ruling as far as being able to make money for the college kids. Have you already heard some discussion on what it might mean for recruiting from the high school level? Yeah, yeah. No, that's been all the rage this week. And obviously there's been, you know, there's four college counselors out here, uh, including, you know, Spencer Rattler, um, Sam Howell, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So three, three pretty, fairly big name quarterbacks. And, and that's all that everybody's been asking them about. And so, you know, just talking to them, and they're kind of saying, it's, it's, it's kind of insane how much they're having thrown at them right now. And I, I think you got to be really, really wary of who you say yes to. Don't just say yes to anyone. And these guys are all super cool, and they're like, you know what, we're, we're not going to rush in. We want to do stuff that's going to help our teammates, too. We're high profile, but, you know, my right guard, you know, I, I want him to be involved. And so, yeah, they're already having a, a ton. And when it comes to recruiting, it's definitely, I mean, when USC is recruiting right now, I talk to a kid and I ask, hey, how was your USC visit? And that's half the, their conversation is, yeah, they talked to me about NIL for, for half the conversation about what you can do if you're in a big market like L.A. You can only imagine, you know, if you're Alabama or Ohio State, who, you know, those schools kind of lead the nation and comes to Jersey sales and, and what they could do to market those kids. It's a huge part of the recruiting process. You're talking about, you know, not even talking about graduation rates anymore. It's always been about NFL. Now it's like after saying, hey, we'll develop you, get you, get you to the NFL, probably the next topic is going to be NIL. So do you believe the people who say this is going to spread out the talent that has been congregating at Alabama and the top you know, four, five, six schools, and then now we're going to have, you know, in two to three years as the talent spreads out, we'll have 12 to 15 to 20 legitimate national title contenders? I mean, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the best case scenario, right? I, I personally just don't see it. I, I think it's, 
I think it's a case of the rich getting richer. Now, I, I do think, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna help some schools recruit better. But the reality is, I think the best schools are still gonna recruit the best players. That's how it's always gonna be. You're still gonna see probably when it comes to recruiting rankings, the same top four or five schools. You're still gonna see Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson is gonna be up there. Um, you know, LSU is gonna be up there, and you're still gonna see that because those schools can. When it comes to NIL, those schools can still, you know, offer the most to that kid because those schools have the, the biggest fan bases. They're on the TV the most, and uh, they can generate the, the most marketability. So, yeah, I think the, ho- the hope is it will help out, maybe even the level playing field just a little bit, but I, I don't know if it's going to suddenly make a team that, you know, was a perennial top 15, now a top 14. I don't see that happening at all. We were wondering, in a, particularly in a place like Salt Lake in Utah, it's a smaller community, and the high school football gets covered a lot. A lot of the games are on uh, television. The playoffs are on television. So these kids can build a brand for themselves literally at 15 and 16. So we're wondering, since they've already established their name in a community, would that maybe help them to think as far as staying local? Because there's been a number of high-profile players who have gone to Oregon, Stanford, SC, that have left our state here. So do you think that that would have an impact? They establish themselves as a teen, a young teen, and then they can continue it and be able to literally cash in in college if they stay local because they'll already have name recognition. Sure. No, I, I, think, I think that's a great point, and I think that definitely can happen. And again, it becomes... It's going to become, you know, can you show me that by staying local and playing and Europe? Well, we were hoping Greg Biggins was just going through a little down zone there, and he popped back in. Can they can they make me more money than if I were to transfer to to a school like like USC? Can can me staying local? And going to Utah, can that help me more than, you know, going to maybe a, a school that, you know, isn't a bigger market? And so I think, obviously, if you're Utah, yeah, you, you definitely want to identify those kids early. And you hope that, you know, NIL evens out the playing field. But, again, I think it's just going to come to, you know, when you're recruiting, you're going to have to show these kids, okay, these kids came here, this is how much they made here. And, again, that sounds crazy to say, but that's kind of where we're at right now. We're recruiting against USC and Oregon and UCLA, even, even Stanford in Silicon Valley. Can you show them that it's worth it financially to stay versus going over there where there might be bigger markets? I get that schools aren't supposed to be brokering these deals. I also get that schools almost can't afford not to be brokering these deals, or at least talking to people and setting it up so that those boosters can go over there, one block off of campus, legal by the letter of the law, and then broker the deals from there. It seems like that's the new gray area we're going to hear about NCAA violations in. And it seems to me inevitable that that can't really be policed, and it's always going to be a gray area. And it's a little scary for me. And, and again, I've been doing this for 25 plus years. And so I'm not going to be, I, none of us are naive, right? You know, the way schools do things in the Pac-12 versus the way they do things in other conferences, again, not naming names, maybe a little closer, you know, in the South, it's, it's a different level playing field. And so now we're dealing with, you know, potential boosters getting involved. And it, it, I, I think it could definitely open up a, a Pandora's box and like you mentioned it's going to be a very hard to police and I'm kind of fascinated to see you know these first five years I'm fascinated to see exactly how this goes 
So as far as being able to have a track record of come here because this player at your position made this amount of money, this is something that the colleges are going to need a couple years to be able to provide evidence. Is that what you're saying? I, I believe so. You know, and right now I'm seeing on Twitter all these all these players should, you know, tweet out all these dollar signs and act like they're going to cash in immediately. These are these are guys that haven't even haven't even played it down yet. You know, and it, like unless you unless you play and play well and you have an actual name. This is going to help every guy on your team. It's only going to help, I think, the select few that are pretty elite. So, um, like I said, it, right now when you're recruiting, you know, if I'm a coach and you sit in a kid's living room, you know, you're literally showing them your graduation rate, how many players you've gotten drafted over the last, you know, four or five years at his position. You're showing them, you know, your winning percentage, all those kind of things. It, it's, I think it's only a matter of time, you know, five years where you're saying, okay, at your position, the last three guys we brought in at, at running back made this much money off their NIL image, right? you know, right now. This is what you could do. But that's going to be a big part of the sales pitch, I believe, in the you next know, like four or five years, if not sooner. So if you're at an Elite 11 and you have a chance to uh, talk to coaches who recruit and all that, how pumped up are they about this? Because what they say off camera, what they say away from a microphone can be really different. How pumped up are they by this? How much are they horrified of this? How much are they kind of accepting that it's coming and it's going to change everything and they're not even sure what it's going to look like in five years? What do they say privately? Are you talking about the how coaches. pumped up are the kids? No, the coaches. The coaches? Yeah, yeah coaches. no, I think the coaches, they, I think they're very wary. I, on one hand, I think some of the schools, you know, I will keep it out west in the, in the Pac-12, I think, you know, they're hoping that this levels the playing field. Um, I, again, not being naive, I think they feel like, you know, some schools are, are able to do things that we might consider, you know, a little shadier out here. So I think they're, they're hoping that this levels it out, but I think they, they're also concerned that, shoot, this isn't really going to change a whole lot because schools that are already doing some stuff are going to continue to do that on a different level now. Now it's almost legalized, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I, I think coaches are, are, you know, I don't know if I use the word happy. I think they're happy that their kids, that they're recruiting or are getting something, um, which, let's be honest, you know, talking to – Sam Howell yesterday, he was like, you know what, we're already getting stipends that are taking care of a whole lot. So it's not like, and again, I'm not trying to sound like that kid off my lawn guy, but the kids, you know, they're actually doing okay. Um, but I think the coaches feel like, hey, if they have a jersey that's going to sell, give them the money, that's great. But again, like I said, I think they're also concerned that, uh, you know, if there's a have and a have not, it's just gonna, that gap is still going to be there. How much has recruiting been affected at the high school level by the transfer portal? Um, I can't understate it enough. It's huge. It's huge. You know, and I've talked to so many college coaches in the last, I would say, eight to nine months, um, maybe a little bit longer. And, you know, in years past, you know, you get, let's just say, a nice number, 25 scholarships. Those last five always went to maybe your borderline high school kid, um, you know, a guy you think has some upside, not there yet. Now those last four or five spots are going to go to transfer portal kids. And, and the reason is simple. You know, with a high school kid, there's, there's some risk there. You don't know what you're getting necessarily. When you go to the portal, uh, you're getting a guy – now there's always risk, right? But you're getting a guy who maybe is already battle-tested, maybe he's played one or two years of college ball, and maybe it's just a depth chart issue where he, he got buried a little bit. Maybe he's homesick. Um, maybe he, again, just didn't click. This new coaching staff came in and he doesn't fit that system. So uh, you're seeing, like, at, at Oregon State, I could conceivably see, and they did it this past year, you could give out almost half your class, maybe eight to nine kids to, to portal kids. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of schools, you know, keep those last five, six, seven spots 
that normally would go to to a high school player. And, and so it, it's a trickle-down effect. This past year, you know, the, the numbers that signed at a high school were way, way down. It's affecting the JUCOs. You might see, you know, more kids go that route. And, and obviously there's a risk going into the portal, first off, obviously, right? You might go there and you think you're going to have the same options you had in high school, and, and you don't. Now all of a sudden, you know, you might get stuck in that portal. But if you're a coach, recruiting-wise, that portal right now is a lot more attractive than it is, you know, going on that, that high school kid who, who's a bigger risk than maybe the kid who's already played a couple of years of college ball. Greg, we appreciate a few minutes. We're sorry we took you away from your breakfast apple. <laughs> uh, it's all good. Good talking to you guys. And uh, like I said, I apologize for the breaking in and out. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. L.A. traffic. We'll, we'll yeah. blame it on that. But, no, always good talking to you guys. Well, good job with the website. I click on it to the point that PKNL calls me out for clicking on it to check, you know, Utah high school football rankings. You're looking at 24-7 again, aren't you? So you, you must be doing something Love right. It. I go. love it. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Greg. One. Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, headed to the Elite 11 Finals. So the regionals, that's a way to get more kids into Elite 11 camps, spread the brand a little more. Am I being too cynical here? No. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you? Right. All right, DJ and PK. Plus, I guess you get to see the kids in that environment, and then you make sure you invite the right kids, plus you spread the brand along the way. So if it helps you analyze and invite the the right ones to the bigger camps. Hey, hey, they're a business, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've covered a lot of ground. If you missed it, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Name, image, and likeness is now a thing in college sports. We've each filled out names of college figures and products to endorse. We mixed them all up, and then we're taking a cold out of a pile. Hi, I'm Lou Holtz, and I'm here to tell you about Lee's Snap-On Nails. Hi, I'm Johnny Manziel, and I'm here to talk to you about Skull Chewing Tobacco. <laughs> Hi, I'm Austin Colley, here for... The tsunami, the world's strongest in-home bidet. <laughs> tsunami. Magic happens. <laughs> Magic happens. <laughs> we are so juvenile. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. We're going to play more complimentary football from defense to offense to special teams. Um, and then we're going, to be, we're going to have a healthy team. We've all approached the offseason. We've approached this, the season the right way that we're just excited. We're excited that hopefully we can stay healthy. We can get good fortune on that end. Um, and then we can just put everything we've worked hard for together. We're excited for this year. It's going to be very, very special for, uh, for us and for Cowboy fans. That sounds like college. But it's pros. That's Dak Prescott. And we're going to get him down. And we're going to get him down. We're going to, we're going to be able to handle him. We're going to win one for the giver. <laughs> Personally, I got him at 10-7 and seven going out in the wild card round of the playoffs. But he's in the middle uh, of it. Yeah, but who's he's got better hopes. Who's dominant in that division? Nobody's dominant in that division. So you could have five, six wins right there. Yes. I said 10 wins. I'll give them 10 wins. Yeah, but if they go 5-1, and 6-0 in the division, they're getting more than 10. I'd have to check the crossover. I'm not that deep into it. You're, but you're right. It could well be. Maybe their schedule is that soft. I don't know if they're hitting easy or hard divisions with the rest of their schedule. Well, Prescott, he's an interesting case. He's getting paid big money. Now, he unfortunately had that injury, obviously. So he's got to get past that. And how good can he be? Can he be elite?
They got a lot of receiver weapons. Uh, how, I guess I guess the question I'd say right away is, is how elite. He elite, is absolutely elite, elite. of the... Um, He's good, but can he be elite? Yeah, okay. So when you say good, you're talking uh, Alex Smith, Phillip Rivers, guy who's more likely to be in the playoffs than not. I wouldn't put him at Phillip Rivers' level yet. Really? Phil Rivers only played in one conference title game. And when you say when you I, say elite, I think he was still pretty good. When you say elite, Breeze, Rodgers, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, who aren't Brady. Nobody's no, Brady. Is he going to be at that level? Right. Yeah, that's what but I'm saying. But that's a Super Bowl quarterback and conference title games a lot. How often did you play an NFC title game and not have either Breeze or Rodgers in there? Can he be at that level? And I, right. I can't just go Super Bowl and put it completely. Well, that's on what the, it comes down to. On the quarterback, I, think that I okay, and I get that absolutely. But like Prescott is going to make big plays. He's going to be exciting. He's going to roll up stats. I'm a hundred percent all in on him doing all that stuff. So really, it comes down to winning the biggest games, winning the playoff games. And yeah, to the no, Philip Rivers thing, that's the only place he fell down. I think he's probably a little sub five hundred. Rich Gannon got to the Super Bowl. Brad Johnson, right, got one time, and that's why I'm well, saying, how many times do you do? How it? many times did Drew Brees get there? He won one. Yeah, he <laughs> and Rodgers. Yeah, and he's won one. But that's why he's saying conference title games. Like you're elite. You're there. You're in the conference title game. And Rich Gannon got there. Brad Johnson got there. But not a lot. Brad Johnson didn't get there a lot. Rodgers has played in, I don't know, five well, or Jim six Kelly NFC title takes games. takes crap for going 0-4 in the Super Bowl, and now you're going to... Why doesn't he get praised for getting them? Because if you got to the Super Bowl, then you obviously well, he does. got to the conference game. I think he does get praised for it. I think he takes it. crap he, for being 0-4 in the Super Bowl. Absolutely, he does. I'd rather have my guy, instead of being 2-for-2, two two, I'd rather have him be 2-for-9. Oh, wait, that's basketball. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> I was kind of scratching my head at that, but what do I know? Well, the NFL always looking for big games right out of the gate, and Prescott will be healthy, and the Cowboys no, will open up on a Thursday night against it, Tampa Bay, and it's away the NFL. we'll go. Just about every game is a big game. Yeah, but I think I think game. a Thursday night game with the Super Bowl champs and Tom Brady. Sizzle, I understand that, yeah. but they could be playing Jacksonville. And we'd all be <laughs> fired up with uh, Lawrence and Urban. This is the NFL. They can't miss. They got to go out of their way to screw it up. So a little bit on Dak Prescott there this morning. Uh, Urban Meyer getting himself fine, playing fast and loose with the rules. Who would have guessed? What rules? Uh, how much contact there can be at OTAs? Hey. You want to learn how to play winning football or not? Line up. <laughs> Jaguars get fined two hundred grand. Urban personally gets fined an additional one hundred grand. Uh, the Niners and the Cowboys also got hit, but not quite as bad. A hundred grand for the team and fifty grand for the. Coach. He had no knowledge of this. Yeah, <laughs> he had total knowledge of this. <laughs> Shut up. It's Urban. Where's there a rule I can break? I mean, Shelley had him occupied. He was doing something. Bucks are up three games to two. Ride the starters, ride them hard. Most of them came up big. They scored a ton of points, and they uh, outscored the Hawks 123-112. No Giannis, no Trey. Big stars out on each team. Cancel each other out. Go over Yanni the sideline. gone. Yeah, will Yanni be able to play in the finals? That gives him a week. If he's got no structural damage, the swelling ought to be down. So I'd guess yes, but that's a guess. Will Phoenix fans be counting to 10? 
<laughs> Probably. That's just fun. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. It's just something. Well, Atlanta, to do. man, they went too fast though. One, two, three, four. I mean, come it's, on. It's been going on forever. That's not new. But at least in Seattle, Seattle when fans, they did it to letter carry, it yeah. was it, the the tempo and pace was much better. They, they were NBA veterans. Atlanta was too fast. Haven't been to the conference finals enough. So too hyped you're up. not going to be able to get the violation. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, okay. I played CYO basketball as a kid. That's Catholic Youth Organization. And uh, I got fouled, and I, I was I took most of the shots on the team. Had a kid who coached uh, the team. Uh, somebody. Jimmy okay. before. Not Jim your dad. Got it. My father came aboard when the guy had to miss some games. Mm. But he always would take me out. He said, you score too many. <laughs> <laughs> Bugged me. And uh, uh, so. So it turns out you did play the game. I, one time they, they were cheerleading the, the other teams. Cheerleaders were cheerleading against me. And I did not know the rule. And I got fouled. And I thought, oh, I'm going to wait him out. And I kept dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. They finally called a violation. Because <laughs> you didn't know the rule. I did not. Funny. I'm in the eighth grade, and I kept dribbling. I thought, oh, I'm just going to see how long those cheerleaders can go. <laughs> just messing with people even then. <laughs> Couldn't help yourself. Were you in Arizona or, or uh, Jersey? Jersey. Was that was last year in Jersey? I, yeah, yeah. Well, literally. Yeah, I spent all eight years of uh, schooling there and then moved to Arizona in time for the ninth grade which was a traumatic experience that I still haven't gotten over. Culture shock! They didn't really accept me all that well. <laughs> <laughs> Took about six years into my high school career before they... Uh, what, huh? They did. Uh, but yeah, so I remember, I, I did not know the rule. I thought, I'm just going to wait him out. And I just kept dribbling and dribbling and dribbling. Name, image, and likeness has been a topic. Specific examples. How can players make money? And uh, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of MLMs, a lot of that. But a lot of it came down to advertising. And you were, you were demanding that we move beyond that. Well, what else can be done? So the two things I came up with were, well, three things. One is entrepreneurship. If you're an entrepreneur, and we've often joked about the ex-BYU athlete who moves to Highlander Alpine and becomes an entrepreneur. And, but then if you're going to move your kids in that direction, well, now that's all... That's all doable. And if your kid's a college athlete, maybe that helps move things along and you get a little more exposure. Yeah, if you graduate from BYU and you get an accounting degree and become an accountant, I feel sorry for you. Who are you? We don't even know. You should be an entrepreneur. But somebody should write a feature on that story. It's so unusual. Start your own business. Find that uh, interesting. Can college, we've seen the ex college athletes become the kind of the personal trainer. Can the current college athlete do that or a skills camp? College basketball players putting on camps and cashing in. You got to be good. You got to have enough of a name. Well, what I would like to see is that they get paid for participating in the camps that the school or coach are putting on. Yeah, but the co- but see the the schools can't pay them, so I don't know if that's legit. I understand that. Right, but that would be a natural if there were no rules. That would be an absolute natural. They spend a lot of time there in the summer mm-hmm. doing those types of things. Right, and they're basically providing a service. For which they're not getting any mm-hmm. money. Well, maybe Zach Wilson needs to be brought back now. Maybe Kalani can work on that. What do you mean? To work the camps. Now he's a pro. Well, that he would be need that. No, he doesn't. I'm talking about. I'm talking about for the kids on Who, the in, team in the team right now. So yeah. the way that rule is currently set up under the current NIL stuff is these players can have the camps. They can go and have it. So for example, let's say Jaron Hall blows up. They could have Jaron Hall's football skills camp, 
but it cannot be hosted at BYU. Right. It has to be hosted at another school, and it cannot use the BYU name, image, or logo. And that's to PK's point about the local kids will have an advantage there. Yeah, they will. Because Absolutely. if you're a fill-in-the-blank, Timview, Lone Peak, whatever, Lehigh kid, you just go back to your old high school, yeah. and the coach will hook you up. and Britton Covey up here at Because the high school coaches are recruiting, so they'll look at that as an advantage. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, Corner Canyon, buddy. <laughs> Corner Canyon. Who's transferring in this year? He had a good recruiting well, class. We talked about it yesterday. There's a kid a, from California. There's a kid from California. There's actually multiple transfers. Although I understand CC. Brighton guy comes up to me at the gym <laughs> yesterday. Hey, if I get you some Brighton football shirts, will you wear them? Yeah. Name, image, and likeness radio. Way to go, PK. <laughs> I didn't think of it. Yeah. Uh, you need to talk to my lawyer here. But yeah, sure, I'll wear them. <laughs> talk to your wife. She'll run the business end of this. <laughs> she- and I had a Corner Canyon shirt on that I don't, I'm not sure he noticed. <laughs> really? He's up there talking about Brighton and he didn't notice the Corner Canyon gear? Well, he knows I live in the area. Yeah. And he knows me through people who know me and all. Yeah. You live across the street from the Templetons. Or you live by the Templetons. Yeah, right across the street. Uh, so uh, he wants to give me some shirts. I said, sure. And the reason why I brought that up is because he told me they've got a transfer quarterback coming in from California. Wow. Look at him go. All over now. A 10th grader. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that he... Just a sophomore coming in. Yeah, I don't know that he came in. I got to play there. I think it might just be... I have no no idea what the background is. But it might just be a move story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... All right. I'm not sure. But the, the guy did tell me, so... We'll watch that because so, he said he has a cannon arm. So, so for uh, entrepreneurs, uh, for the advertising thing, but beyond that, for the entrepreneurs, and then some schools, you know, boosters. You get a school like USC with people all over the entertainment industry. Are we going to see uh, cameos for uh, popular USC players? Oh, uh, if they're SC, yeah, probably porn films, movies, TV shows, adult movies that you know we won't watch. Wow, because they're SC. <laughs> And they're all a bunch of bleeps. Yeah, I mean, SC. Come on. All right, well, we'll see where this goes. We just had on Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, and he said that uh, he doesn't think it's going to spread the top athletes out that much. That's optimistic. I agree, man. I'm so curious to see what's going to happen. So is a buddy of ours who wants to talk about it. Hans Olsen joining us now because he can't wait 18 minutes. (laughs) Hans, good morning. Well, I heard you guys talking about the camps. And back in the day, and I don't know if it was as, as recent as when I was there, late 2000s, but or early 2000s, uh, they used to pay us, you know, like it was it was just pennies. And we would stick around and we'd get free food. And then every every dollar was sanctioned and restricted and, and everything had to go through the NCAA for them to pay us to work those camps. So the thought I had, and I, I heard Jake mention, you can't use the BYU image or, or logo, but you guys remember back in our early radio days when BYU was so strict we couldn't even play their their fight song. Yeah. Um, we just called it the Cougar pre and post. So I was thinking if it was the Cougar defensive line camp <laughs> and, you know, you get four or five defensive line. I was saying this yesterday. I'd put rock in it tomorrow. And you make it a you, you do three three day camps, make it two hundred eighty dollars per kid, do two three hour sessions for the two days. I'd pay two hundred eighty bucks. Let's say you give fifty kids, you split that amongst five or six guys that are working the camps. 
you know, that that's big time. That's not a school taking a chunk. You're using the Cougar, you know, you can use the, the Cougar name. You've got all the defensive line, and, and you would want to include if you've got, obviously, Mika Tafua or Max Tupai or Devin Kafusi, some of these local guys. But you could do the same for the wide receivers. I, I think that there's a lot of money to be made on these uh, off, you know, off-season well, okay, so I, I see where you're going. My only question is, why are you blathering about this on the radio? Because you've got the know-how to do this. You've got the connections to do it. The players, are they going to be able to figure all this out, set it up, and have the time to do it? You just go to them and say, this is when I'm running the D-line camp. Here's what I'll pay you. You be there. You could bring in Utes and Cougars and just cash in like crazy. <laughs> they, but there needs to be someone to organize the camps. That's you, yeah. Hans. Right. Well, it, <laughs> why why are you planning this for next summer? Uh, I don't want anything to do with it, man. I, I can't stand kids. <laughs> you don't I, have to. You're right. above it all. You're the ideal money no, guy. No, I think that, I think he's on the, the better idea. Cut out the middleman. Do it yourself. That's the thing. And you were talking, DJ. You said you know these guys that are entrepreneurs. It is going to take guys with vision. And and we did have entrepreneurs on the team. There were there were guys that had vision, but we just couldn't do anything without having um, compliance down our right, throat saying, right, right. we're going to sue you all. Everybody's going down. You're going to get us all fined. Right. And, and it was horrible. Yeah, exactly. So now so I'm underestimating. A, a I'm underestimating the uh, the current players. They will have the time, the interest, and the skill set to put this together. Oh, yeah. I think there will be some. Uh, for instance, DJ, I sent Rock to... Uh, Rock had a, a small camp, and it was it was Devin Lloyd, uh, Mika Tafua, um, Clark Phillips was there. He was working with the DBs, and these guys. This was obviously before the name, image, and likeness. They could only take like a twenty five dollar appearance fee, but you know these these kids are paying fifty dollars for a one hour session with these with these guys, and and. And I don't know who's getting the bulk of that money. I don't know if that went to the school. I don't know where it went. But it's like these guys could show up in a in a and, and be a the Utes. I don't think that they can withhold the Utes or the Cougar from labeling your camp. And I'm telling you, man, these nowadays these parents will just throw money. I have never seen this in my life. Parents are throwing money at people that have any tolerance of their children and any skill set that they can impart on their kids. It's pretty yeah, incredible. Yeah. We got, we have people uh, hitting us up now with uh, things like I'm saying all caps, kids are the worst exclamation point. Thought we loved our kids and our families here in Utah. Now look at you just leading the chant. Kids are the worst. You can't stand oh, kids. Man. Have you ever, <laughs> I tried to help my son's little football team for, two years and I just, I, I couldn't believe it. And, and, you know, you're sitting there like bugged by the kids and then their parents show up to practice and you're like, how is this horrible? Like now I see why I can't do it. This kid, cause his parents are even worse. I, I don't know how people who work in youth sports now, how they do it. Me either. <laughs> Hands, you got 13 minutes to gather yourself and then you're right back at it with Scotty G. Awesome. Great job, guys. Great conversation. All right. Thank you, Hans. And we are getting more people who've worked in college athletics saying that the kids were getting some money, but it was super limited. Exactly what Hans just said. So right, right. Now take right. the gloves off and accelerate it. That, see, that's, that's beyond showing up at Joe's car dealer. Right. That's what I'm talking about.
well, this turns the entrepreneur loose. And and then you you develop that. How many times have we seen a camp? I remember Steve Cleveland telling us about the father-son's camp. Mm-hmm. And within two or three years, if you didn't sign up within the first five minutes, it was it's sold gone. out. Yeah. Jimmer ran camps. Travis Hansen ran camps. Lots of ex-players have run sure, the camps. Sure, sure. The Johnsons now, now, Yeah, the, you're right. Yeah, uh, they did too. So now it's up to the uh, the current players if they want to do it. Barcelo's pretty popular. He could be running a camp. Oh, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I, yeah. And I would think the Britain they Covey. him down there. The Britain Covey receivers camp would be pretty popular. It's just but up you, to For five feet and under. I mean, five feet yeah, 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 yeah. If you're, <laughs> if you're a six footer, you got to go to the Solomon Enos camp then. You gotta, you the little dudes. Right. I'll teach you how to be an overachiever. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, uh, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. That's one of the Vegas. No, 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 no. Was it? uh, Who was it? I went hunting for that drop, and I can't find it, so I don't know. Is it something I should be aware of? You were here. It was was recently. (laughs) Who was that, man? Oh, that's going to bug me for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. Saw that and stuff we should have done. The Britain Covey should do something for a life alert. Yes, someone has tweeted that out. I've fallen and I can't get up. Puddles, 20-year starter, Britain Covey of the Utah Utes, has become the official spokesperson for life alert. Life alert, I've fallen and I can't get up. And Britain just tweeted back, I don't know if I've laughed this hard at a tweet. Good news. What? I found it. It took me a minute. I found it. Good. It won't bug me for the rest of my life. (laughs) Let me hear that one more time. (laughs) It sounded a little erotic. A little bit. You're welcome, Carson. There you go. Asking you shall receive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the amount of emotion that I elicit out of people, even at a level I never thought possible. <laughs> Bowler. Bowler spent. PK, take it off, baby. <laughs> and then after. You really I, found a kindred spirit when she walked in the And studio. then after I did, what happened? What happened? What happened? <laughs> I got a lot of questions after listening to that story. A lot of questions. And then I went down to the Vegas Bowl, and then they have at the convention center, mm-hmm. and they have a big team gathering. I saw her, mm-hmm. and we chatted. Because <laughs> it was, they came she in. She told her she'd become a drop, and it was just getting played well, over and over. Well, she knew it, too, yeah, in between, because they came up to promote the game, uh-huh. and then they you, I go down and cover it. Yeah, you asked her on air, hey, I need you to say uh, this for me, and she did No, it. she asked me if she could say it. Good point. Yeah, Obviously. I mean, I, I think I had a, a tight shirt on that day. Okay, a kindred take spirit, it off, baby. You two, you two got each other pretty quickly. I look hot in leather. What can I say? <laughs> uh, I love Fridays before long weekends. As we close in on the Fourth of July, share your favorite American sports moment. Do you believe in miracles? Ah. 1980 hockey. They made a movie out of it. But there's some other good moments out there. You're a big golfer. And I would think for golf fans, the best Ryder Cup, the best American win, 99 Brookline. Right? Justin Leonard makes that 45-footer, and they stampede the green. 
and all kinds of golf ethics questions I afterwards. I can't remember that stuff off the top of my head like you can, though. I can't remember them all, but I can remember that one. That's why I think it stands out. There was the, the other one I remember, I think it was 91, and it was the War at the Shore, and that came down to a putt, but it wasn't a U.S. make. It was a miss right at the end. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to go all time, I think we got to go Chastain, right? Oh, good one. Yes. Rose Bowl, wasn't it? Yes. China in the 1999 Women's World Cup. The final. Penalty kick to win it. It was a big, big deal. It was a big deal. And she's sliding. and Yep. We've all seen that. Iconic moment. Yeah. I mean, I think that's got to be. On the men's side, it's U.S. beating Mexico to get to the quarterfinals. It's the biggest win they've ever had. We got people, other people saying other stuff. There was a last thing in Landon Donovan goal to get him out of group play one year, and that got some shout outs here. Uh, does a 92, I ran this by some people last night, and one of the guys, uh, you know him, Tim Peterson, uh, said, Well, you got to go with the dream team. I was going to say that. There's no this competition. Is- he goes, You're right. But again, it's iconic because the personalities are massive. It you was know? the first time. Yes. And the, the level of celebrity on that team was spectacular. Nobody passed, everybody was in. Except for Isaiah, who was kicked out, well, but he didn't pass. He didn't pass. No, he didn't pass. But the level of celebrity was spectacular. I mean, you get Magic, Bird, and Jordan together. Holy cow. Oh, yeah, you're, not, you're, you're never going to have that again. Nope. Nope. So that's up there. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, it's Hans Olsen. It's Scotty G. Hans will have more uh, name, image, and likeness ideas for athletes. Stay with us right here on The Zone.